When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. Another week, another week in pop culture, and I gotta say it was was a pretty quiet week, kind of on on the home front. Not too much happening this week, so kind of just be ready for a very casual episode. You know, no no real big think pieces, no big you know like deep dives or anything like that. Just very very cash this week. So before we get into the topic of this week's discussion, which is a little bit different from what we usually do. I, of course, have to start with our opening minutes and our biggest piece of like news related pop culture this week was obviously the leaked set photos from Barbie. I feel like I'm, this is your, your, (laughs) your semi-weekly Barbie beat on this movie because I am, it is my most anticipated movie. Not of this year, of of next year. I don't care what else is coming out. Like I know Spider Verse, whatever. I don't. This this is the film. This is the film that's gonna do it for me. But we got a leaked set photo, and I wish that I could show you guys. But it's just of Margot Robbie, and she's dressed in this very like abba esque like pantsuit, and it's got flared. It's kind of like got bell bottom flared legs at the bottom like pants with it's like hot pink and it's got stars all over it and it is so quintessentially barbie it's so barbie and like it makes me happy and it fills me with joy that we might be getting just a very fun barbie movie like i'm getting very much like I'm stepping into my my profit era right now. So like I'm thinking that the film is going to be like a very fish out of water tale, almost akin to Life Size. It's like a movie, that movie from late 90s, early 2000s starring Tyra Banks and Lindsay Lohan, where Tyra is a doll that comes to life. I think it's going to be very like in that same camp. That's the vibe that I am manifesting for this movie. But based off of everything that we have seen thus far, I feel like I might be correct in that assertion. So I'm hoping that Warner Brothers and Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach are backing me up in that in that prediction, but we will see. But anyways, the the photo gives me hope that at the very least, the costuming is going to be really good. Like we have seen 
We've seen two photos of Margot Robbie as Barbie thus far, and the only other person that we've seen is Ryan Gosling as Ken. And I was talking to a friend about this last night, about how, like, as a comedic actor, Ryan Gosling is, like, pretty, he's, like, a really good comedic actor. And I think had he not looked the way that he looked, which is incredibly attractive i think he would have had a more fruitful like comedic career because he's got great timing he plays like a great straight man character he's very similar to like a jason sudeikis as far as the type of comedy that he does pretty well if you don't believe me he's been in a couple comedies before but i think the best showcase of his comedic prowess is is the saturday night live episode there's a couple of sketches that he was just really really good in the one that comes to mind is like the properties brothers parody where it's like the property brothers have a third brother who's like estranged to them and he's like this weird almost probably like cult ish kind of guy but just the way that he plays that character is so funny it's so hilarious so with ryan gosling in this movie i'm 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 confident like per google it says that it's supposed to be like a comedy like rom-com so i'm hoping that they stay true to that now where my hesitation comes in is that greta gerwick has not really done like a true comedy like are there comedic points in ladybird yeah but not in like a oh this is funny type of way it's like a like a chuckle it's like a oh that's funny type of way you know what i mean like it's not like i'm not laughing you know So I'm hoping that the film is like, I'm laughing because I don't need a gritty Barbie. Like I don't need a gritty Barbie because a gritty Barbie is just documentary. I think it could just be a documentary. If we want gritty Barbie, just make it a documentary. But I digress. I have hope. I have faith. Now the pairing of Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, it, 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 it's giving me pretentious film kit. I'm just saying, I'm getting flashbacks. I'm getting hot flashes thinking about my college film experience. And I'm, I don't love that, but I have hope. I have hope only because of Margot Robbie and Issa Rae being in this movie. Everyone else is great. Like Simo Liu, Ryan Gosling, Michael Sarah. I think. Like they're all great, but those two... Those two are letting me know that the script had to have been at least decent. So, fingers crossed. I don't know. I think you guys will know. If you follow me on any form of social media, you will know immediately that when Issa's, like, costume leaks, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm just going to lose my... Like, what else am I going to do? I'm going to lose my mind because I just... I have a vision in my head of how she's going to look. And if it looks even slightly similar to that gonna be a good day for me but that's the end of your your barbie beat when more things come out we will of course discuss them leading up to the film that is at this point it's probably a year away but i'm very excited i'm so excited for this movie but but yeah so next item on on the agenda like i said it's not it wasn't too much happening this week there was a lot happening if you are a big kenobi fan which i am still you know I'm dipping my toe in the Star Wars waters, but I didn't watch Kenobi because I felt like it would be a little bit too much of a barrier to entry, being that I haven't seen the prequels. The extent of my knowledge on the prequels is a Lego Star Wars prequels, 
games. <laughs> so I, I have a general gist of what happens, but I don't have the emotional stakes. And I, I found myself having that, that problem with Star Wars is that like in getting into it at a later age, and I found this with other fandoms that have like a lot of media attached to it. If you don't start when you're younger or like a kid or at a very impressionable age, it is very hard to get into a fandom um, at an at an older age, I found. Like I, for example, I tried to give Harry Potter a shot and it was so hard watching it as a 21 year old versus if I watched it as maybe like a 12 year old, it might've been a little bit easier for me to get into. I don't think it's like, for quality of the story which harry potter is a bad example but you guys know what i mean it's not for like lack of quality but i think it's just like i don't know if my brain is wired for big franchises like that anymore like the only big franchise that i find myself enjoying consistently is the mcu and the reason for that is because i like the first mcu movie that i saw was the avengers and i saw it when it came out in 2012 so i think that's like been the easiest way for me to stay consistent with the fandom but if I other fandom it's really hard for me to like get into it at an older age so I don't know what that's about maybe it's just a me thing now that I'm thinking about it because I know a lot of people get into the MCU at like a later date and Harry Potter and Star Wars and all that stuff and like I am getting into Star Wars and I'm enjoying it but as far as having the emotional weight of everything attached to it I just don't quite have that Anyways, very weird. But yeah, it was a big week for for Kenobi fans as the series wrapped up. Only six episodes, but they're like two and a half hours, so it makes sense. They're not two and a half hours. They're like an hour, maybe. But this week, we had some, some other like big movie anniversaries. Of course, the summer is going to be fraught with big movie anniversaries because the summer is a good time to release movies. It's summer blockbuster season, baby. But this week, we had the 20 fourth anniversary of Mulan 1998's Mulan and I posted on Twitter that Mulan and Shang might be the best Disney couple and I kind of stand by that actually I might have to do a whole separate episode of Bobby's favorites where I talk about my definitive ranking of the Disney couples and give my my reasoning as to why or maybe I might do a TikTok about it but I do feel like like I will say my top three Disney couples are Mulan and Shang, Rapunzel and Flynn Rider, and Meg and Hercules and those honestly can oscillate between being number one at any given point you may be thinking Bobby why not Tiana you know like that's that's your girl and she is my girl but my girl spent 90 percent of the movie as a frog and also she got a prince which woohoo but that prince did not know how to cut vegetables before he met her so that girl got a prince but she also got a project you know what i mean so and i just i can't get by that i want it more for her i wanted her to live a life of leisure but she got a project of a man so she can't be number one for that. I love Tiana as a character, but I can't get by that. I simply cannot. But yeah, it was the 24th anniversary of Mulan. I always keep up with the anniversary of Mulan because it came out the same year that I came out. So it not came out as in my sexuality, but came out as in my birth, my being on this planet. Um, so happy anniversary, Mulan. Also, I think yesterday might have been. I think yesterday might have been the 20th anniversary of Lilo and Stitch, which made me feel really old. 
because I own Lilo and Stitch on VHS and I remember when it came out so it feels weird being able to say like I remember when that came out 20 years ago getting old is interesting and today I think is the 15th anniversary of Ratatouille I think I'm gonna be doing a TikTok tonight talking about kind of how like Ratatouille is probably the best food film ever made. I do stand by that. And I say this as someone who loves Julie and Julia. Like that, that was my movie for a while. Like I was in like the late 2000s, early 2010s. I went through a big kick of watching what I call the Times New Roman romance movies. Kind of like movies made for women. Like I call them the Times New Roman movies because all of their posters use the same times new roman like serif font i've talked about fonts quite a bit on my tiktok but yeah julie and julia that was my movie for a while but ratatouille is i think the best the best food film that we have and how food is used as a narrative device is very interesting but I won't get into that here. I will get into that in that in that video. Please go watch it because I feel like I'm in TikTok jail a little bit. So it would be nice if I can get out of TikTok jail. Thanks so much. But anyways. But yeah, today's the 15th anniversary of Ratatouille. One of my favorite movies of all time. I think it, it's... I go back and forth between like a couple different Pixar movies as far as my favorite. But Ratatouille is absolutely up there and has been number one at some point it's for me I never keep a firm number one with many things like I usually have an like kind of like a, a rotating list of number ones so but that at some point has been number one and probably is, is still number one I my rotating list of number ones for Pixar movies are Ratatouille, Wally, Toy Story 2, and The Incredibles that's the and I would say Monsters Inc so like those five kind of tend to cycle out between being number one for me but anyways that concludes our, our opening minutes like I said they were going to be a little bit shorter it ended up being about when we wrap up <laughs> opening minutes because I love to chat but uh that brings us to the meat of today's episode which is just going to be the first edition of Bobby's favorites which is basically where I just give you my favorites from a given topic and I tell you why I love them and why you should maybe check them out if you haven't checked them out and this week with Emmy nominee uh voting wrapping up next week early next week I want to give you some of my favorites of who I think will be this year's group of Emmy nominees so if that sounds good to you let's get started So, the Emmys are a big deal to me. I am definitely an Emmys girl. I love film. I love the Oscars. You know, I get really excited about it. But I think the Emmys has always been my favorite of the award shows, minus the Peabody Awards. I obviously have a, I have a very big bias there because I used to work there. But obviously, of the awards that I have not worked for, the Emmys is my favorite. And I think it's because with the Oscars, sometimes it can be, there's a little bit of a barrier to entry sometimes, right? Like a lot of the films that end up getting nominated are not necessarily fan favorites. They are like critically acclaimed, very pretentious Oscar baity movies for the most part. And it's just kind of a... Uh, a practice in rooting for the one thing that I've seen, right? But with TV shows, it's a little bit easier because they kind of award a, a multitude of different types of TV shows because there are so many TV shows. So 
with the Emmys, I feel like it's it's a little bit more my my realm because I am able to number one watch a lot more things in a lot quicker time and I can get more invested in the kind of the song and dance of of the award season for the Emmys because I've watched a lot more things. Now with this, I think my biggest reason for liking the the Emmys over the Oscars a little bit is because they tend to award comedy, which if you think about it, not the Oscars doesn't award comedy all that much, whether it's comedic performances, like, you know, there is no best comedic actor or anything like that. Like their comedies don't tend to be awarded at the Oscars all that much, whether it is a comedic movie or a comedic actor or anything like that. And that's in addition to a lot of other types of performances that you tend to get in movies that don't tend to get shine at the Oscars, which I think they should be added. I think there there is something of note there because there are a lot of comedic performances that stick with people a lot longer than dramatic performances. But I digress. That's not what we're talking about today. So with the Emmys, I tend to be a comedy girly. So a lot of these recommendations of my favorites or recommendations if you choose to take them, but they're just my favorites are going to be mainly for the comedy girlies. It's for us. It's for us. We don't tend to get a lot of shine, but this is for us. Take that with a grain of salt. But the first of my my favorites of Bobby's favorites for Emmy nominees that I think will obviously be a shoe in to be a nominee may take home a couple of awards, but I don't think it's going to be a sweep like it was kind of last year is Ted Lasso. I started watching Ted Lasso on the recommendation from one of my good friends in college. I remember he told me about it and he was just like, you should watch it. And I was like, ah, you know, I've talked about it before, but when you recommend something to me, the likelihood of me watching that thing is so much lower now. And it is not because it is being recommended to me by someone I care about. And it's not saying that I don't care about them. But in my head, I'm like, oh, you're telling me what to do. I don't like that. I'm not going to watch it. I'm working through my own issues. Okay. But it took me a long time to watch Ted Lasso. And I think I started watching it at the beginning of the pandemic because, you know, we had a lot of things a lot of time on our hands and a lot of things that we could get caught up on. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get caught up and watch all these things that I haven't watched. And I did do that. And Ted Lasso was one of those things. It's a show about, it's starring Jason Sudeikis. And I think it was created by Jason Sudeikis with, along with someone else whose name I am completely blanking on right now. And I'm so sorry, but it is a show about an American football coach who goes to England to be a football coach. So it is, you know, obviously in England, football is what we call soccer. Football is, soccer is football to the rest of the world, minus the US, it's soccer here, but whatever. So he goes, he's an actual like American football coach in the US. And he goes to this kind of like not great team in the UK and he becomes their coach and it's in a kind of ploy to destroy the team by the team's owner's wife who just got divorced from the team's owner in a really messy way, like on him, like he was really messy to her. So she's like, oh, I'm going to kill the team that you you know, so love and cherished by having this kind of like bit of a, you could consider Ted to be dim, but he's incredibly optimistic and he just doesn't have a good, he doesn't have a a record at all with coaching soccer. So she brings in this American coach to kill the team and that 
doesn't end up happening. He actually ends up being a ray of sunshine in a very gloomy, like English kind of background. But it has Ted Lasso has one of my favorite characters of all time, which is Roy Kent, played by Brett Goldstein. And if you listen to podcasts, you know who Brett Goldstein is. He is the host of Movies to Be Buried With. Loves loves a good Muppet. And in turn, that means I, I love a good Brett Goldstein because I love a good Muppet. But his character is one of my favorite characters I've ever seen on TV. And it's just because he is so brash. <laughs> he is just so not with any of the bs that happens like he's in season one he's kind of just this very no nonsense type of guy and eventually he kind of warms up but he's still his very brash type of guy like very i want to say compact is like the word that i want to use like he's very inward he's very stoic and like you know like gruff and tough but he's got he's like a teddy bear he's got a very very warm and cuddly interior once you get past that it also has one of my favorite tv couples of all time which is roy and his girlfriend keely keely is such a ray of sunshine and i love the like ray of sunshine girlfriend and like dark cloud boyfriend because it's just so it makes for such a funny dynamic but they go through their relationship is not just that surface level they do go through kind of their like their pushes and pulls and like needing something from one another and kind of finding a perfect balance within that um it's a phenomenal show and last year it almost did what happened in 2020 with the shit sweep which is where shit's creek basically swept every category that it was nominated for it got best actor in a comedy best actress in a comedy best supporting actor in a comedy best supporting actress in a comedy and then outstanding comedy series so basically the core four cast members eugene levy dan levy katherine o'hara and oh my gosh annie murphy all got not they all got the acting awards that they were nominated for and then the series got outstanding comedy series which was rightfully deserved it was Shits Creek was such a phenomenal show it's one of my favorite comedies of all time I still go back and watch it and I still laugh just as hard as I did the first time and that I watched it but last year Ted Lasso almost had a, a sweep it wasn't it was halted by hacks which I think it's gonna be kind of the the comedy darling again this year but I think it was able to take home outstanding comedy series. It didn't, I think the only thing that it didn't get was outstanding writing. But I do think Jason Sudeikis took home best actor in a comedy series. I think Jason Sudeikis took home best actor in a comedy series. The woman who plays Rebecca, why am I blanking on her last name? Her first name is Hannah. But she took home, I think, best actress in a comedy series. And then Brett Goldstein took home best supporting actor in a comedy series. Do I think that'll happen again? I don't know. They've got some pretty stiff competition this year. Comedy is always like for the past couple of years to me, comedy has been like stacked. Like the the, the amount of comedic series that are nominated are always so strong. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I always feel like maybe... It's going to be like the show that no one expects, like with Fleabag, when Fleabag kind of like swept. And at that point, I hadn't seen Fleabag. So I was upset because I think I think that was in 2019. I think The Good Place lost to Fleabag. And I was really upset because I loved The Good Place. But Fleabag, again, another phenomenal show. Only two seasons. 
very like I don't think there's that many episodes in it but if you haven't seen Fleabag highly recommend you watch Fleabag um be prepared to cry also it's a comedic series but be prepared to cry I love that show so much to the point where I own the the hardcover book that's basically just the screenplay for the series I got it on a whim at a Barnes and Noble in Union Square in New York City and I was like you know what I'm leaving the city, so I'm going to get this book. And I got the book and I loved it. So I'm ready to crack that bad boy open and rewatch the series and cry again. But anyways, I I think Ted Lasso is going to have some pretty stiff competition this year. Not only from like the kind of incumbent winners, not incumbent, but like the recurring winners of last year, like Hack. I think Hacks is going to kind of sweep again just from what I've been hearing. But also a newcomer that I think is definitely pretty stiff competition that we will get into a little bit later. But that is Ted Lasso. Great show, phenomenal show. I think it's going to do well. I think it might. I think Brett Goldstein might take home Best Supporting Actor in a comedy series again. Hannah Waddingham is her name. I think Hannah Waddingham might take home Best Supporting Actress, but or Best Actress, but I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, stiff competition this year. Moving on to another comedy series that I think is going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Ted Lasso, which is Only Murders in the Building, which season two of Only Murders in the Building comes out next week, June 28th. Only Murders in the Building was a show that I was very excited for off of the premise alone. Usually I'm not first in the door. I'm not on the ground floor for many shows. I usually come in around season two, season three. I want to make sure that people are liking it or that it's good and then I will assess for myself. But off the premise of Only Murders in the Building alone and who was starring in it, I watched it the night that it came out because I was so excited for it. So basically it is a, the crux of the show is that there are three people who live in the Arconia, which is like a, a, a building in New York, a beautiful apartment complex in New York. And there is a murder in the building. And the three people that kind of get roped into semi-solving this murder are two like older guys and this young girl the young girl is played by selena gomez and two older guys are steve martin and martin short and all three of them are like true crime podcast junkies too so that's what like kind of incites them to want to try and solve the murder and they do it via starting their own podcast um I watched the show kind of through a certain amount of episodes and then I took a break. And then recently, like within the past couple of months, I went back to finish it up in anticipation for Emmy season and for the new the new season coming out next week. And I was glued to my TV screen or my iPad screen. I don't have a TV, but I was glued to my screen because I was like, this is so good. It is a perfect balance of being so funny and so smart and I would expect nothing less from Martin Short and Steve Martin of course but also legitimately suspenseful at times too like once you get into kind of the later parts of the season it like the the tension and the drama and like the mystery of it all really does start to ramp up and you're like oh my gosh like this is getting like legitimately suspenseful and it ends on a cliffhanger which thankfully we're getting a season two so we don't have to like it's not one of those shows that ends on a cliffhanger out of hopes of getting picked up and then it never gets picked up but it is such a good show as of now it has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for season two. So I'm very excited about that. But I do think that it is one of the first 
shows that will present some pretty stiff competition for for Ted Lasso and Hacks, I think. With Emmy, I want to take a brief pause to say that with Emmy, like the eligibility period, you're basically kind of in the last... It's like an eligibility period that ends up equating to about a year, but it's not like from January 1 to December 31 of 2021 is what is considered. It's not quite that. It's basically from like, I think it is about like, like from a year from when nominees tend to come out. So like June to June is about when the eligibility period is. So it's about June to June, but it is officially between june 1st to may 31st of any given year so between that it is that is the eligibility period so for only members in the building obviously they would not give like you're basically not going to have season two be considered it will just be season one of of a show and it's also not does it tend to be cumulative? Like you, you tend to consider a show's worthiness of an award based off of its most recent season. It, that isn't to say that with Emmy Academy voters or Television Academy voters that the the sum whole of a show doesn't go into consideration. But more often than not, you tend to consider like the most recent body of work, which tends to be the last season, and also that is what is sent in for consideration a lot of these shows will send in screeners i when i worked at nbc when i was in college as an intern i worked in the pr department and in our kitchen was just stacked from like probably like your knee to about like your nose in just screeners nothing but screeners like now i think studios don't send out physical screener boxes anymore but screeners are basically just dvds that have the best of that show's season, like the best of that that show's recent season's episodes. So it tends to be about like three to four episodes that the show or the studio feels is their strongest. And so they send that in for submission and the screeners are then sent out to Television Academy voters. And those tend to be like just people who work in the industry. I do think it is similar to the Oscars in that I don't even know if the Oscars has this point but I do think with the Emmys when it comes to categories that are like occupation specific so like outstanding actress or best director or whatever it is those tend to be voted on by other people who also do those things so like directors vote for directors actresses vote for actresses that type of thing so with that you're sent these screeners and they tend to be very really like very they used to put a lot of effort into them so like I have a marvelous Mrs. Maisel one that I have on display that it was just like pink and it's got gold foil lettering on it and it's really really nice I have a whole lunchbox of all the screeners because at the end of our internship they were like please take these screeners and we were like what we can take them that's so cool and I was like yeah they get trashed either way like you know like other than that like screeners became more of a nuisance so I think in an effort to be a little bit more eco-friendly they stopped sending like physical screeners out but these screeners help to basically refresh the memory of Academy voters. So obviously with a heap of shows coming down the pipeline, you're not going to get like people rewatching every single t- 
TV show, it one is not possible because it tends to be like about uh like 300 ish like TV shows that could very well be in contention just to be a nominee, let alone like a winner. So these screeners help to refresh their memory in a pretty quick way with like the best of that show's season, if that makes sense. Okay. So obviously Only Murders in the Building season one is what is going to be in contention for an Emmy nom and hopefully an Emmy win maybe this year. Highly recommended. All of these come with a high recommendation for me, but this one in particular was, a, it was quite a surprise. The unlikely trio of Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez was kind of refreshing, I think. I didn't think that they would gel as well together as they have, but they really did. They were really, really good together. And the writing is so sharp. Martin Short gets some of my favorite lines because he's definitely, he's like a former like Broadway producer who's had a lot of failed shows. So he takes the podcast and the production of it really seriously. And when they're having candid conversations with one another, they, he's very, <laughs> he'll have moments where he'll just be like, okay, great. Now, can you say that again, but a little bit clearer into the microphone? <laughs> It'll be like a really a really like emotion laden moment you'll just be like can you take that one more time and it's just it's very funny highly recommended it's on hulu really really good it's a hulu original series and ted lasso is on apple tv plus moving on to what i think will maybe get a nomination don't think it's gonna win which is sad but it's a little off the beaten path it's a little too off the beaten path for i think academy voters and that is what we do in the shadows what we do in the shadows is uh, the television version of the mockumentary by taika waititi and jermaine clements and jermaine clements created what we do in the shadows the tv show um it is a mockumentary style show with vampires if you know me your resident bisexual vampire expert. You know that I love a good vampire show. And before you say it, no, I haven't seen First Kills yet. It's on my list because I love a good mediocre vampire show. I really do. But this is not that. What We Do in the Shadows is a phenomenal show. It's so funny. It's so smart. It's so quick. It's got, it's got that very Jemaine Clements Taika Waititi style. And if you know what that is, like it's either you love it or you hate it. It's type of thing. If you don't know Jemaine Clements, he was in Flight of the Concords, which is like a, a comedy, like musical duo. And Taika Waititi is Taika Waititi. It is very just like super smart, eccentric. Like they play around with like the visuals of it and everything. It's really, really good show. The, I think this third season is what will be in contention for an emmy this year it wasn't to me their strongest season i think season two was probably amongst their strongest and i think amongst their funniest but all of the seasons of the show are really funny i don't know if it'll pull out a nomination i would like for it to but i uh, i think it's something you should watch regardless that's what i'm gonna say i think you should watch it no matter what but don't think it's gonna, don't think it's gonna pull out a, a nomination this year. I think the last time it was nominated might have been twenty twenty. I think because it was one of those years where it was like super duper stacked, like a super again super duper stacked. Comedy is always gonna be that, and I think comedy has a little bit more variety of which show could win. Are there like? favorites to win absolutely like in the years of ted lasso and schitt's creek 
of course, those were going to be shoe ones to win. But unlike drama, which has been basically a ping pong tournament between Succession and The Crown for the past five years, there's a little bit more variety, a little bit more spice of life when it comes to what could win in the comedy category. So that's what we do in the shadows. That is on FX, which you can watch on Hulu. Again, so two of these are on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, Hulu is a great subscription service. I, it's a great streaming service. My One of my internet mutuals and friends watched with Mike. He did a, a a list of the best streaming services and his number one was Hulu and I absolutely agree. I think as far as variety of choice between acquired content and original content, Hulu's Hulu's kind of got it. I don't know. Not sponsored by Hulu, but just saying. So this next one is a the only drama that I have on here. Now be it I haven't seen Succession. I'm starting it soon so that I could at least understand the hype around it. But the next one that I have up here that I don't think will, will maybe get a nomination, will probably not get a win, but I think it was really, really good work nonetheless is Moon Knight. And this is, of course, an MCU Disney Plus show starring Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. I think the, the drama in this was so good. Is it perfect? Is it a perfect show? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think it will probably be nominated within the Outstanding Limited Series category because it was only six episodes, six or seven episodes, I can't remember. But I think less the show getting a win, but I think Oscar Isaac or Ethan Hawke should definitely get a nomination. And I think Oscar Isaac is absolutely worthy of a win for this. He is so dynamic in this, in the show. And there are just a lot of moments that are just so heavy with emotion and he's playing against himself he's playing a character who has a did dissociative identity disorder and he is playing against himself and it is so good and one of the characters has an accent that is not his native accent it's like a british accent and it is in like a higher pitch than his normal like voice it's really really good work so this is more of a like an actor win an actor nomination that I'm hoping for versus the show as a whole. I th definitely think the show was really tenacious and wanted to accomplish a lot of things. I don't know if it did it as well as it could have, but it was still a really good show. But I definitely think Oscar Isaac should get should get a nomination at the very least. I mean, his performance was 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 really, really good. Like he kind of balances going from like, having comedic moments within the show to like having these really like heavy emotional beats and then he's playing against himself and characters like one version of the character or one identity of the character is this kind of like gruff stoic type and then the other is this very like shy and kind of meek man so having to play this like kind of dominant force and this very kind of like meek force all contained within one kind of host body was really incredible to see and not only that hot hot not saying that he was hot in this show but oscar isaac is hot and i do think that that should be considered when it comes to who gets awards i'm just saying anyways and last but not least that brings us to my my favorite for this year do i think it's going to get a nomination absolutely and i'm hoping fingers crossed i'm hoping for at least one win if not a sweep and that is Abbott Elementary the show that I have been saying has saved the network comedy it is so 
so good. You probably heard a lot about Abbott Elementary. It's on ABC and it is a workplace comedy. It is kind of a return to that that format, but it takes place in a school in Philadelphia. It, the showrunner, the creator of it is Quenta Brunson. And I don't know if I feel more emotionally tied to the show because I followed Quinta since she was on BuzzFeed and I feel like I've grown up with her content and grown up with her but this is her show and it is in its freshman season it is only one season of the show it is so funny it's so smart but it's able to retain this heart to it this like this kind of this nice air around it, similar to Ted Lasso, where it's just like a nice show. It's a feel-good show. But I think Abbott Elementary takes it to another level because it is a show that is also unabashedly black, too. And I don't think there are many unabashedly black shows anymore that allow for their characters to be black and be happy and not suffer. Like, gonna lean into the whole black trauma thing it's just a fun show it's like a fun feel-good show there's a will they won't they storyline with janine and greg and it's just like it's a show that like i would love to one day write for i would love to meet quinta and just pick her brain about it and like the creation of it and how they write it and everything like that it's such a good show it has so the ensemble cast which I think I someone said I think it was on Twitter or either TikTok that the Emmy should have a best ensemble cast category and I absolutely agree because they were the ensemble cast for this show is so good it's such it's a small group but every single member of the group contributes something that is kind of invaluable and is so like good and definitely contributes to the the goodness of the show as a whole if you were missing one member you'd kind of be missing a little bit of the show like everyone kind of covers a base that is very crucial to to the crux of the show i abbott elementary definitely has the possibility of at least taking home at least one acting category if maybe not like it has the possibility to take home outstanding comedy series. I do feel like it has that potential. And if not this year, I definitely think in the seasons to follow, it will. Elementary is the biggest comedy show for ABC since Modern Family and Modern Family was on for 10 seasons. And they were able to do that in one season. One season. That's a big deal for a show. So you know, nothing but flowers to Quinta, nothing but flowers to Abbott Elementary. And it is my favorite for this Emmy season. <sighs> so that was a lot, but we got to the end of it. And I hope that you have walked away with some, some new recommendations, some new things that you can maybe check out. If you're not like me and you are, you know, you recoil at the, the site of recommendation i i do hope that you have that you walk away with maybe some shows that you might have put down for a little bit and you need to pick it back up or some shows that you hadn't picked up yet and you want to check them out all of these are really good shows and i highly 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 recommend them and i hope that i am right about at least three of these shows two of them i'm not sure on but three of them i'm i'm certain will at least at the very least get nominations and so when the nominations come out We will talk about them again and see if I'm right. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Afternooners. If you don't know, the Afternooners is my name for all of us. So if you've made it to the end of this episode, congratulations. You're an Afternooner now. If you want to know where else to find me on the internet, you can find me at the Afternoon Special on TikTok or on Instagram or over on Twitter at Hi, I'm Bobby. And now, uh, I've been talking about it for weeks, but now you can find me over on YouTube which is also the afternoon special. I put up my first video and I just want to say a big thank you to anyone who has checked it out, who's watched it, who's commented on it. It makes me feel so, so good. And it makes me so happy that you guys are enjoying it. And I can't wait to do more episodes. I'm already writing the script for the next episode, which will be about one of the shows that I've talked about. You can probably guess what it, what it will be based on my, my um, excitement up around the show. But I just want to say thank you to everyone for your support on, on that on that video and for your support with this new endeavor because it was very scary to put out the first video. But doing it and having you guys enjoy it makes me feel good. And if you're thinking, Bobby, I now need to make my Emmys prep list, so I'm not gonna remember all that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. It's okay. It's okay. Some of these shows, I got to go back and revisit myself. So once you and I both do that, we can come back to the description box where I put all this information for you. Just for this episode wasn't a, a big research heavy deep dive, but I will tell you what it was powered by. It's powered by the love of television, which is not a song. <laughs> it's not a song. It's not a show. It's not a documentary. It's not anything. It's just the love of TV. I love television so much. So that's what this week's episode was powered by. And also if it was powered, it will be powered by the nap that I will take once this episode is done. If I, I had to get up a little bit early today to get dinner reservations for an upcoming vacation. It's absolutely insane that Disney World makes you get up at six o'clock in the morning to secure dinner reservations for a vacation that you're not going on for another two months. So that is why. I, this episode will be powered by a nap after after this. I hope you enjoyed this week's more chill, laid-back chat and that you'll join me again next week for another pop culture deep dive. Later days, friends. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to buyoptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.